When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Betches Media presents... A lot of them aren't even pretending to be in charge. Slow the testing down. Remove him from office. Cast a vote that will make you proud. The Betches Sup Podcast. Will you shut up, man? Hello and welcome to the Betches Sup Podcast. I'm Sammy Fishbein. I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Caitlin Bird. And for those of you who are just tuning in, the Betches Sup Podcast is your daily rundown of all the craziest shit happening in the news. Brought to you by your three funniest friends. Which is us. Which is us. It's us. It's us. There's only 20 days till the election. How are we feeling? Um... (laughs) I have things in my fridge that are older than actually most things in my fridge are older than 20 days. I've started making appointments for later than 20 days. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah, I I do wonder a little bit like I, I keep looking at like November and December and they're like events that are happening. And I'm just like, we don't know if there's going to be a country then. But here's right. hoping. Like, right, right. Yeah, election day is on uh is in 20 days. Notably, the election is happening right now and who knows what we'll know on November 3rd. But something big is happening in 20 days. In 20 days I'm going to have enough food to not go outside for a while. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> okay. Amanda's starting a uh, uh, preparations yeah. for the bunker apparently. Oh yeah, I have my my prepper pantry has been going long before March 12th. <laughs> See, I started in January. Oh, I remember when uh when um the Iran stuff was really heating up. I did a huge Costco order that day. <laughs> so prescient, so prescient. Okay, so today we're going to talk a little bit more about confirmation hearings and whatever emotions those bring up in us. Um, and then a little bit more about the election. So yesterday was day two of confirmation hearings for Trump's third Supreme Court pick, Judge Amy Coney Barrett. At least and I did touch on this a little bit as it was going yesterday. So I don't want to repeat what we what we did get to yesterday. So we'll sort of touch on the later afternoon evening. Uh, I didn't watch all of it. I don't even know how late it went. Did anyone watch all of it? No, it went pretty late. I didn't watch the entire thing, but it went to like, I want to say eight at least. Okay. Maybe I longer. Did, yeah. If it's 22 senators and they all got 30 minutes, that's 11 hours, which sounds like if it started at nine and went till eight, they, they got Maybe it even, I, I remember when Lindsey Graham started the day, he said we could go till nine. It might've gone till nine. Gotcha. Ca- Here's the thing. Like I cannot bear to watch it all. It is just like, I need to give myself like emotional breaks where I can like get away from it. But yeah, I tried to watch as much as possible. That's what I'm hearing from everyone because it's like such a foregone conclusion that it feels like it has a different, like I was watching it pretty closely yesterday and then sort of like came up for air at like 530 to like turn on the news. It's like, let me see what people are saying. And I was like, where is everybody? Nobody's talking about it. Right. It's sort of like 
watching an old championship game. <laughs> like where you know right you know, i mean not that i would ever do such a thing but it i imagine it's like watching and, yeah like an old super bowl and some people like to do that well i would yeah. i would point out sometimes i don't get to watch serena williams's matches live so i'll know that she won true but i'll watch it anyway just to see how she won but that's it's, like for a positive I mean, thing that that's that's a positive <laughs> energy space for all of that because right. you know it's kind of cool, cool to watch it happen. But um, not this. Um, I will admit I have not watched any of it. Uh, part of that is just like being deluged with work, where there's yeah. like way too much to do. Um, but another part of it is like, man, like why watch something when you already know the conclusions? Nothing about what she's doing or what they're asking is going to fundamentally change anything, um, as far as I can tell. And I do follow some conservatives i will say um i don't know republicans as much as much as people who like to think that they're still reasonable but are very obviously yeah. um and their their focus tends to be on like finding ways that people are like think all the democrats are grandstanding or but like they're just finding grist for the mill you know like this is all yeah. this is is grist their heart's for the not in it <laughs> nobody's no heart right it. nobody's heart's thing. in it no one's heart is in this one. Um, it feels like, okay, we're all just watching this. She's not even answering any questions. She's not even answering any questions. They never do. Okay, so what did she... Yesterday, Amy Coney Barrett, I every time I refer to her as ACB, people don't like it. They're like, no, she doesn't deserve an acronym <laughs> because she happens to also have two last names. I'm going to make my life easier and probably say ACB, but I won't add any adjectives in front of it if, if, if that makes us happy. <laughs> but so she did affirm that she had supported causes promoting the Catholic Church's belief that life begins at conception. Um, this is like you were saying, Sammy, this is a thing. It's like, are we going to People keep waiting for her to have this blockbuster moment where she's like, I'm against abortion. She's not going to say that. We already know she is. It's fine. Uh, she refused to say whether she believed, like her mentor, Justice Antonin Scalia, that Roe was wrongly decided. So that's what we actually care about more. Like, we know what her personal beliefs are about abortion. They kept asking her, and she was like, I taught at Notre Dame. I'm a Catholic. What do you want me to say? My personal views won't impact this, however. Uh, but she declined to say whether she regarded Roe versus Wade as a super president. Um, cases like Brown versus Board of Education, where there's just general consensus that it should never be overruled. There's not a lot of argument about the outcome. Let's listen to how she explained that under questioning by Senator Amy Klobuchar, Battle of the Amys. Okay. Well, you also separately acknowledged that in uh, Planned Parenthood v. Casey, the Supreme Court's controlling opinion talked about in the reliance interests on Roe v. Wade, which it treated in that case as super precedent. Is Roe a super precedent? How would you define super precedent? I, I, I actually, I might have thought someday I'd be sitting in that chair. I'm not. I'm up here, so I'm asking okay, you. Okay, well, people so. use super precedent differently. Okay. The way that it's used in the scholarship and the way that I was using it in the article that you're reading from was to define cases that are so well settled that no political actors and no people seriously push for their overruling. And I'm answering a lot of questions about Roe, which I think indicates that Roe doesn't fall in that category. And scholars across the spectrum say that doesn't mean that Roe should be overruled. 
but descriptively it does mean that it's a case, not a case that everyone has accepted and doesn't call for its overruling. I don't okay, think so here's, what, here's what's interesting to me. You said that Brown is, and I know my time is running out, is a super precedent. That's something uh, the Supreme Court has not even said, but you have said that. So if you say that, why won't you say that about Roe v. Wade, a case that the court's controlling opinion in that Planned Parenthood v. Casey case has described as a super precedent? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Um, well, Senator, I can just give you the same answer that I just did. I'm using a term in that article that is from the scholarly literature. It's actually one that was developed by scholars who are you know, certainly not conservative scholars who take a more progressive approach to the Constitution. And again, you know, as, as Richard Fallon from Harvard said, Roe is not a super precedent because calls for its overruling have never ceased, but that doesn't mean that Roe should be overruled. It just means that it doesn't fall on the small handful of cases like Marbury versus Madison and Brown versus the board that no one questions anymore. My favorite part of that clip is is Amy Senator Klobuchar being like, well, I thought I'd be a justice, but all right, you're a senator. I mean, the, the thing that I first reacted to viscerally was uh, how much I dislike lawyers. I'm friends with many lawyers, but the first thing I thought of was like, oh, my God, this is such a non-answer. Jesus, like you're yeah. going to be making decisions about the millions of human lives it's going to be established like you are going to have to write opinions that are going to have to clearly explain your rational thinking about where our law is going and how it's going to affect the lives of at least 330 million people who live in this country but yep. possibly set the standard for law across the world and you are just like what the yeah what is happening here i know all my lawyer friends are like but technically she can't blah 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 shut up that's yes now that we just give up on lawyering when you're in a confirmation hearing it's the last time you will ever ever be held to that kind of standard again you're never gonna have to do this ever again it's the last job interview i as an american citizen don't give a fuck whether or not you can tell me your thoughts right now because you know what you know, yeah. shouldn't get the job if you can't say that. If you can't be the, right. just direct about what you're thinking, I do not want you to have this job. That is it. That is it. And then done. That's my, my feeling about all of this elusiveness. I find it really bothersome that, A, yes, she's not held to any sort of account. But, like, you know that this, the Democrats aren't allowed to ask any questions about her personal belief system it's like the it's like the Catholicism thing almost gets to be a full blanket on any of her beliefs when like it's not really just about the Catholicism. It's about the fact that she belongs to a community where they take an oath to yeah. the community. And when you're sworn in as a justice, which you put your hand on the Bible for that, too, like I wonder which oath in her mind supersedes the other. So. Look, I'm not, obviously not a senator, clearly, but <laughs> it, I, I don't know if I would be able to stop myself from like digging into those like personal questions. Like when we interview people for Betches, it, we ask them, what do you do in your free time? Like, what are your hobbies? Like, why can't, why is it off limits just mm -hmm. because she's a mother and a Catholic that like we don't get to know anything about her? 
Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits healthier hair and skin. Yes, but beyond that too. Since I started using pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great, it looks fancy on the shelf, and I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream. Democrats are clearly being politically very careful, but when does that get into like not doing their jobs, like not probing her? It's like they know there's no political benefit to come from. I mean, actually, there could be. Let's okay. Let's like actually even the playing field. What if there is a political benefit to to probing her on that and having to hear what she has to say and that actually really animating people? I think Democrats just think like literally on on day one. No Democrat said anything about her religion. And and Josh Hawley was like, bigotry. No, who's, bigotry. Who's it going to animate? Like, I feel like it probably animates. Nobody knew. The 70% of America that support, supports Roe versus Wade as it stands. And I don't know, like, if I'm anybody, I want to know, like, what are these teachings that she's hearing that are so cloaked in secret. It's not the same as being a follower of the Pope. It's right. just not or, right. Joe Biden is like, Catholic. We nominated. Yeah. Catholic. The court is already mostly Catholics. It's not the Catholic thing. That's a problem. It's I'm surprised. No Senator has asked, have you taken another oath? You're Who's on record spiritual leader. And what are their teachings? Right. I've like, seen the vow. Like you, you have somebody, you have an accountable person that you're accountable to and people who are accountable to you. Yeah. I'm, I guess we're just never going to hear about that. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's not the same as when, like, you know, an individual politician or a judge has a relationship with their priest of their of their church. It's not the same thing. 
Like, and I just think that like the fact that we're expected to just like let this woman basically steamroll all the questions and put her little like sweet face on and no one gets to know anything about her. And she's barely been a judge. So barely. it's not like she has such a strong history of writings that we can ba- bank on. Like we're literally working off of like a few opinions that she's written and articles that she's written. One of the things that's so striking about that is that in effect, conservatives know that she is going to produce the results that they're interested in. And this has been like a very longstanding thing. It goes back more than half a century. The Federal Society is a relatively new invention. Um, and, you know, it's really important to discuss that we brought they brought up Brown versus Board of Education, which is the case that started the Federalist Society. Oh, they, wow. They started it. The impeachment, uh, There's there was a whole movement, and I think I mentioned it before, which was called Impeach Earl Warren. And it was because Earl Warren went through a lot of trouble to make that a 9-0 decision. He was the driving force behind making Brown versus Board of Education a thing. And absolutely, absolutely, the Federalist Society has been trying to get rid of it for, for decades. Which is, which is so interesting, given that this morning, trying to sort of defend... Uh, Barrett not saying that Roe was a super president and trying to narrow that definition to something like like Brown. Lindsey Graham said, you're not aware of any effort to go back to the good old days of segregation by a legislative body. Is that correct? I think right. she said no. <laughs> but what is like, the definition of aware? Right. Yeah, that's what I want to know. He is to keep all of these things vague. And the next part is about making sure that you frame every question. And this is the Federal Society and that's how it's functioned. They're using her personal belief system as proxy for how she's going to vote. They are obsessed with making sure that people do not change on the bench. They made a mistake with with Anthony Kennedy. They've been trying as hard as they can not to have their justices evolve. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to have somebody who's in very deeply entrenched in belief systems that are incredibly rigid and reactionary. And those are ones that they're, they're using her personal as a proxy for how she's going to rule on the bench. But then they're also saying that's off limits and you can't talk about it, even though we have evidence that she obviously is going to be ruling from that space. So they designed it so that way Democrats would always, and Democrats continue giving good faith to Republicans, which is completely batshit insane. It's been batshit insane for decades, but it's definitely batshit insane right now when they're doing it. You got to let this shit go, you guys. You got to just go in for the for the kill. She's obviously lying. You know, that's my take. That's my. You know, it's so you just mentioned the whole like the Federalist Society and the whole conservative movement uh, on the judicial and the, it, within the judicial branch. One of, I think, the best um, uses of time yesterday was Sheldon Whitehouse, the senator from Rhode Island, who literally used his time. He did not ask her one question, but he brought several charts explaining the way that the federal society works and how judicial activism amongst the conservative uh, portion of the country works and all of the different forces that they work on, whether it's through money, whether it's through like essentially lobbying the court through like a meek high briefs or whatever, by purposely bringing cases that they know are going to chip away at things like Roe versus Wade or, you know, citizen, you know, something that allows dark more money in politics. So Sheldon Whitehouse gave this whole presentation I highly recommend watching it just like on YouTube because it explains everything that's going on here. The entire like decades worth of conservative judicial strategy. It was 
phenomenal. Yeah. If you've never sort of seen that breakdown before, because I think some Democrats like they know this time, maybe they look at it as like it's not going to impact the outcome. So they want to use their hat. Like how often do they get half an hour on TV to just talk like it's the most time that Lindsey Graham has had on TV for free in months. Um, he couldn't afford to pay for this time, literally. Right. <laughs> but what's interesting is that so, Caitlin, we mentioned that she's only been on the bench for three years. And I actually think that that has been so useful to them because she also refuses to speak to things that she has not already written about because she's like, I'll talk about what I've written about because that's not revealing anything to people about what I would do. That's not going to prompt people to try to like file certain cases. So she'll only talk about what she's already written opinions about, but she's only been on the bench for three years. So there's really not that much. Almost all of yesterday was spent on the one quite interesting case that she did write, which is the, the one where she wanted her previous. Yeah. That came up all day. Um, so I think like, like you said, Caitlin, a lot of people, it's funny. My, my boyfriend or my fiance is a lawyer and yesterday he was like, I was like, what should we do for dinner? And he was like, I don't know. I don't really think I should share my view. <laughs> That's really funny. And I was like, if you just everybody, every time you asked her a serious question, she was just like, the Republicans, all they talked about was how she has a bunch of kids. And I was like, Mike, I guess all I have to do is give you a bunch of children and nobody can ever question your legal background again. That's again, it. the shields, the, the, the shields are the kids. The fact that she's a woman, the fact that she is Catholic and and lives a, a life of faith, as they call it, those are all just shields to 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 gaslight the Democrats and shield her from criticism. That's yeah. It. And she repeated often, which I think was probably effective for people like just tuning in because it sounds right. It's like okay, like Kayla was saying, I'm she's not supposed to share a view. That seems fine. I understand that. But then I thought Kamala Harris came in with a really effective line of questioning or talking where she did remind viewers that Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, whose seat um, Barrett is trying to fill, had no problem committing to reproductive justice during her confirmation hearing. Let's listen to a clip. Several times today, you have quoted Justice Ginsburg's testimony about not making predictions in future cases. However, she was far more forthcoming at her confirmation hearing about the essential rights of women. In 1993, Justice Ginsburg's confirmation hearing shows that she testified that, quote, the decision whether or not to bear a child is central to a woman's life, to her well-being and dignity. It is a decision she must make for herself when government controls that decision. For her, she is being treated as less than a fully adult human responsible for her own choices. That was another big um, line of, or just a point that Kamala was making, which is that she continually asked her, like, when you decide cases, do you take real world impacts into effect? Because she was trying to angle about the ACA and how all these people are going to lose their health coverage in a pandemic and that that case would come before her in 30 days. Um, basically. So I think Kamala was trying to like get at that, like you're actually hurting people angle. Did you, did you feel that she communicated that effectively? Harris? Yeah. Yeah. I felt like she did a good job pushing it and it really exposed how Barrett was not committing to take that into consideration. Like she kept giving the answer. I do in every case I do in every case, which the first time she said it sounded 
fine. But then when she kept saying that line, I found it to be maybe suspect to a casual viewer. That's like, why won't this woman just say she acknowledges that tens of millions of people are going to be harmed by outcomes of things like that's a fact. I don't know. I, I thought it was. Yeah. I would have loved someone to lay like in Sheldon Whitehouse style to lay out why it is so rep- important to Republicans to appeal the ACA that they are willing to get push this risk getting completely like electorally overthrown so that they could get her into this seat. Why do they care so much about that? Well, I mean, there there is an answer, which is that, you know, we're I mean, this is a little bit alarming, but we're kind of going through like a slow motion coup. I mean, anti-majoritarian politics taken to their logical conclusion is effectively oligarchy. I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's no or autocracy. You, you basically no matter what happens, if the more you let smaller groups of people dominate for the majority, the more those tools become options for, yeah, for, for autocracy. And unfortunately, this particular case, fascism. And you see Republicans basically just straight up admitting that they want this election and they're going to do whatever it takes. I mean, and we have the, the clip, too, where we we're talking about who gets to have power. What does peaceful transition of power look like? Who, I mean, when Barrett is appointed to the court, which is like an obvious fait accompli, like it's not, it, there's no way to stop it. Um, but even from there, we're, we're talking about like, we understand that the conservative majority on that court is going to do everything it can to protect Republicans and their electoral power. And that's what they've been doing uh, earlier this year. The court, even with RBG on it, uh, decided a case that said that Wisconsin voters had to go out in public in the middle of the, the, in April, in the pandemic, to go vote in person. And that, no, you could not have any other options, even though a huge chunk of the polling places had basically closed because there was no one to staff them. And they knew it was going to create unsafe conditions. And they, the conservative majority said that they wanted that to happen. They have been strongly against voting rights. They gutted the Voting Rights Act. These are all the same people. They don't want representative government. None of them do, not a single one. And it's crazy that they're the ones or that there's the impression when she says it's like, that's for the legislative, like you guys do you, and that's really not our job. But it is conservatives that have jammed all of these policy matters to the court. They have done that. Like Sammy said, 70% of Americans support Roe v. Wade. But state by state, they're passing these unpopular bans that nobody wants, that they know they cannot actually enact in their state so that they will go up and so that they can let Amy Coney Barrett hear it and then outlaw abortion. So it's just wild that they're the ones saying that, no, no, this all has to be legislative. This all has to be legislative. Republicans are the ones they've been trying to get rid of the ACA legislatively for a decade and they can't do it really been that long every time they said it's been a decade i'm like i thought obamacare was yesterday (laughs) the real housewives of beverly hills premiered a decade ago today (laughs) in crazy um wow but but caitlin so you you just spoke about like a slow moving coup and you said that sounds extreme but another really alarming moment from this hearing was when judge amy coney barrett herself refused to say whether a president should commit to a peaceful transfer of power. So let's play that. Yes, at this time. Here's another one. 
Do you believe that every president should make a commitment unequivocally and resolutely to the peaceful transfer of power? Well, Senator, that seems to me to be pulling me in a little bit into this question of whether the president has said that he would not peacefully leave office. And so to the extent that this is a political controversy right now, as a judge, I want to stay out of it and I don't want to express a view. But sometimes she's unaware of what the president says. Do you notice that? Because like she's aware when it's unaware when it's not convenient. What? Well, she she was nominated, correct, by the, that same person. She did, did she know that? She did, nominated. Do you remember meeting him two weeks ago at the super spreader event? <laughs> do you remember how your kids couldn't go to school that week because of the outbreak it caused? She also said the same thing about the ACA. She was like, oh, I didn't know that Trump, that Trump, because what Kamala Harris pointed out really well again was that she's like, Amy Coney Barrett won't say anything about the ACA. Kamala Harris reminded him and several others did, too. President Trump has tweeted he will only appoint justices that will tear down the ACA. He has appointed you. Therefore, he believes you will. And she's like, I don't know. That sounds crazy to me. (laughs) And this is where, like, again, this is all a development not designed to get to truth, right? Which is what hearings are in theory supposed to do. Vet the person who's going on the court to understand if they can be responsible for the quality and the nature of the decisions that they will be making about American jurisprudence and most effectively how that jurisprudence is going to affect the lives of American citizens and all the people who have relationships with the United States, which is in effect the world, the whole world. She's she's going to be educating America's relationship with itself, its citizens, and by extension, the world. And yet she will answer nothing. And it's all designed to do that. And Democrats are just going to you know, sit back in a certain way. This peaceful transition of power question is a slam dunk. There's only one way to answer it. First of all, it shouldn't have to be asked, which is another separate alarming issue. But the fact that she won't answer this very obvious question, which is like, should we continue doing what we've been doing for the entirety of our country's history, which is handing over power peacefully? That, that happened in the and middle she of the Civil War. An like point out, list. Lincoln was ready for a peaceful transition of power during right. a war that was tearing the country apart. Like, think about that. That's crazy. We're having this question right now. Like, oh, shouldn't you do? Well, yeah, yeah. We've always done it. We've never not done it. <laughs> never, never not done it. Right. I mean, what about the fact that her ex- mere existence in this hearing is partially designed to create a favorable majority in case there's an, a dispute in the election, which oh. he has said in his own words. There yeah, will she refused to recuse herself. They are already prepping the dispute. They are going to challenge mail-in ballots. They will challenge every single one of them. They know that Democrats are using that more le- more often. They have already started to set up these challenges. They expect to take it to the court the same way they did Bush v. Gore. Shit. This is the plan. They had a conservative majority. We have not had elected a Republican president this century. We have not done it. We have not done it. It's not happened. We have had an incumbent who stole his first election, and we'll have another incumbent who stole his first election. We're just going to continue doing this, but that's the only way they can win. Stealing our shit. That's and it. Why would they stop when it works? Why would they stop? There was a great He's on tweet. their side. There was a great tweet by a man's Marcotte that was like, 
finally people should realize that like what what the conservative right wants is for them to live in freedom and the rest of us to live in the handmaid's tale we all dread the what should we have for dinner question i mean i know i do i love a home-cooked meal but i don't always have the time energy or groceries to make it happen being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to home chef over the other guys Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash fever dream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Today, Ted Cruz said that, um, I even don't want to tell you guys this, but he said that school choice was the civil rights issue of our time. Wait, what? Yes. Meaning, <laughs> are you kidding me? Caitlin? <laughs> for, the, for, the, for the listeners, Caitlin is, is holding up her eye descent sweatshirt right now. <laughs> I mean, that's disagree. From all of that. Like, what the, what the, oh, you know, there's actual civil rights issues. Right. <laughs> I like how they're like, oh, the civil rights. This is the civil rights of our time. People who are actually in the choice, civil even movement. a civil rights hello, issue. Hello, we are we're still working. We're still doing our civil rights movement. He's like, no, you're not. No, you're not. That's why we're all here. No, you're not. I thought civil rights has to do with like the parameters that you can discriminate against. Like how is school choice? Apparently us paying for your I mean, school choice is a. It's controversial, but apparently us go to charter schools are not a protected class. No, I'm sorry. (laughs) They're not. What did you guys think of um, the glorification of the fact that um, Amy used no notes? It's so dumb. Like, okay, the woman. You just have to be smart. Of course, she has a massive knowledge. Okay, here's the thing. I do this job and I am immersed in news and politics all the time. You could ask me questions about today's politics for six hours and I could answer your questions without notes because it's my job. And she, you're supposed to have a lot of knowledge. 
Like, it's not that impressive that she can. It's impressive. But just being impressive is not enough. I I mean, I'm more impressed by someone who is both brilliant and diligent, meaning they regardless of what you have in your head, maybe there's like a few things that, you know, you might be asked where like you might want to reference something for accuracy. That's an interesting point. Yeah. It was like, actually, like I see it as not irresponsible and reckless that you're going to get in front. You're going to testify under oath and have no notes, nothing to reference. You're so smart that you're not that like, here's the thing. She knew she wasn't going to answer any questions. Why do you need notes? To not answer. There that, were that sometimes thoughts of being impressive. That fundamental aspect right. is like, oh, she's gonna non-answer for six hours. So what notes are necessary? There's nothing there to say. Right. It would be impressive if she recited facts and figures with no notes. Right. That's true. And even there were times where she quibbled with her own wording, and the senators were like, I'm not making it up. I have it right in front of me, but she didn't. So she'd be like, I don't think I Okay. And then she wouldn't really let it go for like a minute. Like she was waiting for the senator to be like, sure, maybe I got it wrong. But no, she chose not to have her notes to cross reference her own words and just quibbled with the wording as if the senators were like assholes for putting words in her mouth. That was shit she said. Yeah. And I want to contrast this really quick, really quick with uh, how conservatives have imagined uh, President Obama, right? There's obsession about the teleprompter four years. He's eloquent. He's thoughtful. His extemporaneous speaking is off the fucking chain. This is a guy who's obviously insanely smart and is also capable of expressing that intelligence in ways that are compassionate and thoughtful off the top of his head. However, Republicans refuse to believe this. It went on for ages. Donald Trump engaged in it. Everyone in conservative media engaged with it to some degree or another. There are senators out there talking about how we had a teleprompter. And so, Amy Barrett, Cody Barrett, not having notes. Oh, she's such a genius. Like, it's just some bullshit. That's not real genius. Real talent comes out and demonstrates itself. If you don't have any notes with you, yeah, maybe you're, you know, a savant or something, but more likely you're just not going to reference anything that requires notes because even President Obama in those moments of extemporaneous speaking, had prepared notes, something that he was using. He would refer to a a concept or an idea, and yeah, he kept a lot of it in his head. So does uh, Hillary Clinton, who's a freaking policy maven who knows all the shit. Like, ask her anything. She she knows the specific statute. She's scary. But like- Those are people who are smart, but they would never go without notes. You have any idea how much knowledge they have to keep in their head at a given moment? So well, it tells you that Amy Coney Barrett is working off of faith, not facts. You don't need notes to know that you believe in God and that God wants babies to be born. Immediately. Right. It's almost like Republicans were <laughs> doing that, true. like John Cornyn. It's almost like John Cornyn was doing that to sort of play into what they think liberals believe, which is that religious mothers of lots of children can't be intelligent. But the reason why liberals are alarmed is for the opposite reason. She's obviously an extremely intelligent woman. She knows these statutes better than anyone because she's probably been researching how to undo them and manipulate them. Like, it's not, no, we are not trying to undermine her. We're trying to raise, I know, none of us do, but I think they think they're anticipating all of these sort of like arguments from the left about her that we don't actually possess. And they just look like, like dumb. It's projection. Raw intelligence is not, raw intelligence is a gift. 
It is not like something to necessarily be congratulated. It has nothing for. to do with morality either. It doesn't. Right. It really doesn't. Having kids doesn't have to do with morality either. Like none of these things are are like qualifiers for, I guess, being smart and then hardworking and having experience are good qual- like qualifiers for a judge. But like having seven kids, no. I would just like to say that Michelle Bachman does technically qualify on everything that Amy Coney Barrett qualifies for. <laughs> and none of us thinks that she would make a great Supreme Court justice. So like, you know, like if you're going to assess on those levels, like we could just get into it. But like the truth is, is that we're we're supposed to be questioning and evaluating her judgment, her capabilities, her compassion, her intelligence is going to be taken as an automatic thing. And again, it's a lot of projection the same way they do you hear like conservatives be like, oh, you know, um, especially about affirmative action, like, oh, they'll feel so in- in inferior about about themselves if they get it without as a gift. And I'm here being like, nah, I know I earned it. So I'm I don't have any problems. Are, are you talking about yourself? Are you talking about how you didn't earn anything and you feel bad now? Because I don't feel bad. I, I know what I got. I know what work I did. So, right. I'm good. You know, and it's the same thing. President Obama's not smart because they just can't imagine it. Oh, he's just a token. No, right. we legitimately appreciated him. Same thing with, with Barrett. She's not a, she is just a shield. She's a packet of traits that they need in order to move this nomination forward. And they assume that Democrats are going to think about it the same way that they would think about it, which is raw power. And that's not the case, but maybe we should anyway. Maybe we should also think about this in terms of raw power. Yeah, yeah, that's what's sort of like what's frustrating is that like, why do the Democrats not like do like, I don't know, I'm obviously not in the position to, to, to be telling them what to do. But like, I just feel like this can't be your best idea, like, like just going along with it and not pointing like anything out and like having one really good line of speech from Sheldon Whitehouse, like that really can't be the best you came up with. Like, did you everyone consider say, other options? Everyone should say every time, well, you shouldn't be here and I shouldn't be questioning you. But if yeah. you're going to do this, let's ask you some really tough questions. If you don't answer, I'm going to assume that it's because your answers are actually really bad and that you are a threat to democracy. And you I'm should be doing the questioning. Like, why is no having this conversation right now in this way? Having yes. said that, here's some questions. And just continue doing it. Everyone should be saying it all the time. Like, oh, you should not be here. I should not be asking you these questions. And in fact, I don't even necessarily care about your answers because your answer is sitting here right now answering these questions from me. You've already told me what kind of person you are. You're a terrible person. We know because we, you, we've already started. Why would you need to do this? If you're a great person, we can conduct all of this in three weeks. Right. What's the problem. What kind of woman of faith does not respect a woman's her predecessor's dying wish. You couldn't wait till after couldn't wait till lame duck session. Couldn't wait till maybe you're 55 and another president appoints you. Like that said everything about her faith, her morality. I think if there's one thing that is like universal across all religions and maybe even atheists, it's that we respect the dead. Like you respect a dying person's wishes. Like you don't go against them before they're even in the ground. And like, that is what this woman of faith thinks is okay. And you respect interfaith traditions. And it's like, we weren't people, RBG's family wasn't even done with Shiva by the time they had appointed her. 
Are they even her done replacement. yet? No. Have they even finished? <laughs> Probably not. And this woman's going to literally take her seat. Yeah. Uh, it's so, just it's that kind of thing. And it makes me wonder, like, Democrats, you have a very potent line of argument right here. I think everyone can understand, especially in this moment of chaos and grief, losing someone and being told that their final wish in this world was to have their 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 legacy respected, to have what they, what little that they gave to this earth left untouched long enough that they can, you know, they get some moments around it. She had not been buried when they held that super spreader event at the White House. She had not been buried. No person of dignity and honor would agree to do that. President Obama, when he nominated Merrick Garland, had waited more than a month after uh, Antonin Scalia had been buried. And he still had almost a year until his, his successor was going to be inaugurated. That kind of respect and just dignity and understanding for the, the office and the institutions for, for people as human beings is missing entirely from this process. And Democrats can stand up in this moment and say it is inappropriate for this to even happen. And every single Democrat should preface their remarks with this. We right. should not be here. We should not be asking these questions. We can do it in three weeks. The Republicans are being awful. They are terrible people. They are not respecting final wishes. They won't respect you if you die. This is someone who has no respect for human life. Just say it. Just no respect. There's no respect for human life or dignity. None. And she can you know, argue her Roe v. Wade argument. Oh, baby, you know, they're babies from the moment of conception. Like, okay, well, my heavy periods then are going to be a crime <laughs> against humanity. But That's whatever. what I'm saying. Right. Every time I abandon an egg, it's criminalized. <laughs> well, we're going to have a problem. I mean, what about what? Why are people not making more of a thing about the fact that she's actually against IVF? Like, yeah, we talked about that yesterday. I know, I know, I know we did, but we're here telling them, like, stop normalizing her. And yet they get up there and they're like, oh, Miss Barrett. Like, it's just like, yeah, the, the fact that the Democrats bring normalizing her to the table when they could be bringing like a decency argument to the table at the very least, I don't understand like why they see so much ground like they yeah. seed all of it yeah maybe it's AOC happening today holding up a heavy tampon a super max and just being like you know if i use this does that make me a murderer i guess it does like just just like uh, get the message aoc content <laughs> suggestion yeah that's an excellent place to end thank you guys until the return of democracy in maybe 20 days i'm amanda duberman I'm Sammy Fishbine. And I'm Caitlin Bird. This is the Betches Sub Podcast. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to sup at Betches.com. Betches.